0: Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the wonder of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for the wonder of your creation that points to yourself, to your your holiness and your your greatness. Thank you for the time we've been able to have to worship you together. I pray that you would take this, these next few minutes and... Speak to us, open your word to us. We thank you for being, being our teacher, that you are the one giving your Holy Spirit to enlighten us through your word. Pray okay, that you would do that this morning, Amen. So I do want to actually go to that Isaiah chapter 9. Not as much of a mystery this morning, what I want, want to talk about. Um, it's really about the gospel being proclaimed. I guess I, in some ways I'm just focused on the Christmas time, but the, the implications are that God uses the gospel, the truth about Jesus, to reach people, but in many different ways and through many different avenues and forms. It's not always as clear cut as we are might think it is. the The gospel itself is clear and true, and and um, that's the reality. But how that gospel comes and through what means is is multifaceted. And it's an innumerable. So. I just want to start by reading Isaiah chapter 9, starting verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every group of the champing warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Um, so this is a section about the deliverance, specifically the deliverance of Israel. And you can see how those who were not in tune with God would have thought that this this passage here specifically would speak of Rome and the deliverance from from Rome, but we know that it's much more than that. It's and it and it actually speaks far beyond just Israel um, and speaks to the nations um, ultimately. I'm not going to go into that um, aspect of things. How Jesus came to Israel and how. Israel was God's inheritance. um, But in Psalm 82, he says, I will have all the nations as my inheritance. Or or all the the nations shall be the inheritance of God. So, whereas it started with Israel, he's like, I'm going to expand the testimony, I'm going to expand the witness, and all the nations shall come in to my um, inheritance. and, And they will be his inheritance. So, There is this message of deliverance to the oppressed. Now in our day, we've seen this message co-opted to the point where if you say oppressed or oppressor, people automatically think you've gone Marxist. Because that's the language they use all the time, but that's not the case. God, with God, with our Lord, there is justice, true justice for all. But that justice is not, I wouldn't say tempered with mercy, but there's a balance between justice and mercy, and that we have in the next verses. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord hosts will do this. That's kind of like putting a seal on it. So, it's this, that's the message of Christmas. That there's oppression in the world. There's injustice. There's pain. There's suffering. All these things. But there's deliverance. But it comes through a child. So, that's the specific message of Christmas, he comes not as a conquering hero to um, redeem his people in the first place, but as a child, a baby. I want to go next, it's staying in Isaiah, but going toward the end of the um, book to chapter sixty. And these are this is this is part of a long. A, if you will, a soliloquy from the of the Lord himself to, to Israel. But he says here, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness Of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. This passage goes on and on. um, In this vein. That the nations would come to Israel. Because the light has come to Israel. The light came in the person of Jesus Christ. And that light um, shone out of Israel. the, The first believers were all Jews. And they went forth in the whole world, and they brought the light of the gospel to the Gentiles. And then, then um, continuing in the same um, passage, you go to the next chapter, and um, this becomes a, a prophecy that Jesus himself quoted. That the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And again, this passage goes on. Um, this is interesting because that Jesus speaks of, of this as he, that he was the one that fulfilled this. But the apostles also talked of this. Um, even, even that part says, bring good news to the poor. Um, Paul talks about when he was sent from Jerusalem back to to go to the Gentiles. He's essentially commissioned by the other apostles to go to the Gentiles. He said, but only they wanted me to pay close attention to the poor. And that was the very thing I was eager to do. We are now the ones who carry the light of Jesus. This is why, like we we understand that God um, called the called the nation of Israel to be the light, but in, the, in to to the nations, but through them Jesus came and is now the light, and we are the light to the nations. We haven't replaced Israel. I'm not saying that, but what we what we have is the light of Jesus for the nations, and all the nations shall come into the light. God had first one one nation as his inheritance and, but ultimately he says all nations will be my inheritance Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world and then we have all going into the New Testament at the time of Jesus' birth, this proclamation from the angel to the shepherds we, we read it every year at Christmas time um, we, do plan, we plan on Reading it to our children every year and um, they may even memorize it because even now radiance is like watching my lips when I'm seeing or reading to try to remember what I said so she can say it. So um, but this is this is kind of the culmin the, the culmination of prophecy is coming, is here now. There's there's this long years of darkness And in that time, most of the nation of Israel, those who identified as Jews, had lost sight of what God had called them to be. There was always a remnant, always a remnant of of Israel who understood, who saw God's greater purpose through them. But by the time that Jesus came, it had developed, by and large, the calling God had on Israel had developed into a superior mindset that they that they alone of all the world were called to the Lord, which never was the case. Even in the Old Testament, nations would come in and become part of Israel. Even in the, the line of Christ, we see um, like Rahab, and um, you see others come who, who were part of the nations around. They entered into the covenant God had with his people. But but when, Je- when, when Jesus was born, the, the the leaders of the Jews, the religious leaders, the priests, the Pharisees, by and large, they had this thought that they were something special to the exclusion of the nations. But Jesus came, and and when he came, the angel spoke to these shepherds in. Um, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and the earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And some, um, some manuscripts, peace um, toward men. Regardless, this message came to Israel. And there were those who were there to receive it. We know of Simeon and Anna. And um, even Jesus' parent, or Mary, and then her husband Joseph. But but even then, you see later on, Mary didn't fully understand what he did, what Jesus was all about. Um, when you see her with with his his brothers coming to him, but this gospel of Jesus, um, of, of that he was bringing, that man could be at peace with God. Through the Lord Jesus, through His life, through His through His death, um, we have another um, reference to. Um, this is this is switching kind of abruptly. I'm sorry. Um, in Ephesians chapter one verse eleven, it's talking about that we have obtained an inheritance. And this inheritance, and it talks about it earlier in Ephesians, is in Christ. Um, I get from verse 5, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, the praise of His glorious grace, which, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. So then go on, He says, he, In Him we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined, there it is, the predestined again, according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. We have this inheritance in Christ, and our inheritance is more than that. It's an inheritance of the gospel. We who have believed in Christ have inherited the gospel. Um, as okay, so so so, think about this. When when, when you inherit something from your parents or from an uncle or something. It comes with a blessing, but it also comes with a responsibility. So if you inherit at home, and like Gary can speak of this, you, when, when you, you and your, sibling, when your siblings and you, you inherit something, you have to figure out what to do with it. You have to do something with it. And sometimes that, that is more of a headache than a blessing for some people in some ways. We have an inheritance that we have been given. And our inheritance carries with it responsibility. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and gave us, gifted us, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So this is kind of where I wanted to talk a little bit about Christmas as it is. Not to go through every part of it or anything, but kind of as a big picture. We know that in some ways Christmas is a flawed holiday. Um, It's not... Well most, almost definitely, Jesus was not born December 25th. He was probably born sometime in the fall. These things we know. We also know that, that people have corrupted it. It's, it, it. There's this message of Christmas and goodwill that's separate from Jesus. There's Santa Claus. Even Christmas trees can have that. I mean, we can, you know, we put ours up and everything. But for some, that's, they're real hesitant about it. But this is what I wanted to say about this. God, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ has gone through the world in many, many different ways and through many different means. And I want to use as an illustration a Christmas hymn. And it's one of the the ones that's been, um, if you will, covered or performed by many, many, many different people. Even many who we would not consider believers in any way. But it's O oh, Holy Night, and I was thinking about this because it's one of my favorite um, Christmas hymns. It may, may be my favorite. Um, it is such. It has it has such a message to it. But I'm going to read the words to this hymn, and then I was looking like I wonder how this hymn was written and. It, it, it accompanied my message so well that right? I, I want to read something that uh, there's a blog post someone wrote that, that was about the history of this this hymn. But they make a point at the end that I really like. But um, so this this hymn, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. You know, um, when he, when when Christ appeared, it's not that um, he, he, it was all about us, but that he showed us what, you know, in 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 Jesus coming down in the incarnation and dying for our sins, he showed us what how he valued our lives. So, soul tell us, for a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices. O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. O oh, night, O oh, holy night, O oh, night divine. Now, we actually don't even know if Jesus was born at night. That's something we kind of all assume, because, but if you read it, it says nothing about night. Except that the shepherds was at night. But I'm wondering if God would call the shepherds to go to the manger, um, like Within the half hour after birth, having witnessed a couple of births, that's, that doesn't sound too healthy. But anyways, so um, the second verse, led by the light of faith, serenely beaming with glowing hearts, by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star, sweetly gleaming, here came the wise men from Orient land. The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger. In all our trials, born to be our friend, he knows our need. To our weakness is no stranger. Behold your king before him lowly bend. Behold your king before him lowly bend. And truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall be great for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. We'll praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. Now, um, reading this. It seems that back in 1847, in a small French town, a man named Placide Capo de... I am very bad with French. Boschemar was known more for his talent at writing poetry than for his faithfulness in church attendance. He might not be the first person one would suspect a priest would seek out to write a poem for Christmas Mass. But the local priest did ask him, and the man took his request seriously. Placide Capote de Roquemar began thinking about the birth of Jesus. With that inspiration, he wrote Cantique de Noel. Placide was so pleased with how the poem came out that he decided it needed to be a song. Since he was a poet but not a musician, he turned to a friend, Adolphe Charles Adams, to see if he would set his poem to music. Adolphe was a famous classical musician um, who had composed many works all around the world, but he agreed to come up with music for his friend's poem. This didn't this mention it here, but this man who wrote the poem was also, he was his, his primary occupation was not a poet, he was a wine merchant. So, anyway, the interesting thing was that Adolphe was a Jewish man who didn't celebrate the birth of Jesus. Even so, he did compose music to go with the beautiful words, and the song was performed only a few weeks later at a midnight mass on Christmas Eve. Cantique de Noël became popular in France and was sung in many Christmas services. But when Capot completely left the church to join a socialist movement, and it was discovered that Adolphe Adams was a Jew, the French Catholic church leaders decided that the song was unfit for church services because of its lack of musical taste and total absence of the spirit of religion. But even though the church was no longer allowed, no longer allowed the song in their services, the French people continued to sing it. A decade later, an American writer, John Sullivan Dwight, whose name is the one that we see on this, um, saw something in the song that moved him beyond the story of the birth of Christ. An abolitionist, Dwight strongly identified with the lines of the third verse. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. This verse mirrored Dwight's view of slavery in the South. He published his English translation of O Holy Night in his magazine, and the song quickly found favor in America, especially in the North during the Civil War. Back in France, the song continued to be banned by the church for almost two decades while the people still sang it at home. Legend has it that on Christmas Eve 1871, in the midst of fierce fighting between the armies of Germany and France during the Franco-Prussian War, a French soldier suddenly jumped out of this muddy trench. Both sides stared at the seemingly crazed man who lifted his eyes to the heaven and began singing Cantique de Noël. Then a German soldier stepped into the open and answered the Frenchman's song with Martin Luther's From Heaven Above to Earth, I Come. The story goes that the fighting stopped for the next 24 hours while the men on both sides observed the temporary peace in honor of Christmas Day. Perhaps the story had a part in the French church once again embracing it in holiday services. But the story of the song continued. Years later, on Christmas Eve 1906, Reginald Fessenden, a 33-year-old university professor and former chief chemist for Thomas Edison, did something long-thought-impossible. Using a new type of generator, Fessenden spoke into a microphone, and for the first time in history, a man's voice was broadcast over the airwaves. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, he began in a clear, strong voice, hoping, but not knowing, that he was reaching across the distances he supposed he would. Shocked radio operators on ships and astonished wireless owners at newspapers were amazed as their normal coded impulses heard over tiny speakers were interrupted, by a professor reading the Christmas story. To those who caught this broadcast, it must have seemed like a miracle to hear a voice somehow transmitted to those far away. Talk about wonder, things that are wonderful. When this came I mean, there were people that were really scared, like, you know, Satan was the prince of the power of the air, and this is going over the air, we shouldn't use this, and all that stuff, but imagine the wonder And we can't imagine, because we're so used to it. I mean, from the earliest age, I heard voices on the radio. But it must have seemed like a miracle. Perhaps they may have thought they were hearing the voice of an angel. Who knows? Fessenden was probably unaware of the sensation he was causing on ships and in offices. He couldn't have known that men and women were rushing to their wireless units to catch this Christmas Eve miracle. After finishing his recitation of the birth of Christ, Bessenden picked up his violin and played "O Holy Night," the first song ever sent through the air via radio waves, not the of course. Since "O Holy Night" was first sung at a small Christmas mass in 1847, the song has been sung millions of times in churches in every corner of the world. And since the moment a handful of people first heard it played over the radio, the carol has gone on to become one of the most recorded and played spiritual songs. This incredible work, requested by a forgotten parish priest, written by a poet who would later split from the church, given soaring music by a Jewish composer, and brought to Americans to serve as much as a tool to spotlight the sinful nature of slavery as to tell the story of the birth of a savior, has become one of the most beautiful, inspired pieces of music ever created. And then the writer of the blog concludes, The Lord can work in amazing ways to his words to proclaim. We, One thing that I recognize I, I recognize in myself is when I hear the gospel proclaimed in a way, in a few methods that I find suspect, I get it. I, start to, I start to stiffen up, my body stiffens up and I wonder like like how can this happen? Like so people there 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 will be like this huge rock concert and people will um be just being be, be, you've let euphorically built up this emotion build up and then they'll say the gospel and people are like, Yeah, fall on the face and you find that there's not you know, if you follow up, not everybody who had this emotional response really believed in any way. I had no idea what they were doing. But sometimes and, and I read this in the story of a musician um, Dennis Jernigan who wrote um, You Are My All-in-All All, and he wrote some other. And he was saved at one of those rock with The Lord, the Spirit the Lord came on him. And I say this for Christmas too because I, this is my opinion but it seems to me that Christmas, even more than Easter um, people are likely to hear words of the gospel. They'll hear an old, like some of the old carols sung by Bing Crosby or Frank Sinatra. We'll, you'll, you'll hear it on the radio or um, in a store or something, and and the Lord can use those things. So now, um, if whether we celebrate Christmas or not, we can recognize that the Lord reaches people through it. But His law is love, His gospel is peace, as this, this song says, and. That's the other thing. I used to look at songs like, I wonder who wrote this and what their what their purpose behind it was and who they were. And you find there's some, some of the, some of the hymns we sing were, were, were written by people who had been broken through the Lord and they been through trials. Others were written, people just inspired. But others were written by people who later backslid. Like, come thou found is one of those. But what you'll find is that when the Lord wants to save people, when the Lord wants to speak his message to people, he'll do even a donkey to do that, as we know with Balaam. And so, when we see things around, like that doesn't seem like, that doesn't seem like, this evangelistic crusade, um, they, 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 I don't believe that their theology is really not. But uh, the gospel is going out, and and Paul said in um, Ephesians chapter 2, well, let's, let's see. well, no, okay, I was going to read Ephesians chapter 2, um, 11 and 13, talking about the um, Gentiles and the Jews all being one. But no, um, I didn't actually write this verse down, but um, in, in Philemon, he's talking about people who were trying to add suff- add not Philemon, um, Philippians to his, um, add to his suffering by, um, by preaching the gospel um, from envy and rivalry. And he says, um, what then, only in every way whether in pretense or in truth Christ is proclaiming, that I rejoice how big is our view of God's sovereignty do, do we understand like God do we trust him to use crazy means to bring people into, into, his, into on his family, to bring the gospel to people that doesn't mean we should do that. That the truth is important. Speaking truth in the right way is important. Um, but when, but we can rejoice when we when 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 we hear someone coming to the Lord. Whatever the means that took, we can rejoice in that. Um, and then finally talking about this oppression and recognize. Um, I do want to go to the fire um, because. From, um, and this is why I think, oh, holy night, it, it's, it, regardless of who wrote it, or who translated it, or who commissioned it to be written, we don't know if this priest knew the Lord or not, even, but, um, there's some truth in, in, in this, in that, um, hymn. Paul was appealing to Philemon, he said, I appeal to you for my child Anesthetus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, and but now he is indeed useful to you and to me, And sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my for the gospel. but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be compulsion but of your own accord. You start to get wonder what he's talking about, then he says for um, so this perhaps is why he parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant. So you, oh, Onesimus was a slave. He was a bondservant to Philemon. He said, but I want you to take him back, not as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. And that's what this gospel, the gospel of Jesus breaks down every barrier where, um, and, and, and we know that through the, the songs and the hymns of the church, the walls have been broken down between slave and master, between rich and poor, between male and female, between Jew and Gentile, between the different um, cultures of the world. The gospel pierces through. And when we see the great men of God and great women of God and see their even their failures on um, just this morning, I think it was the Colson Center. Great um, point for the day was about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and some of his big failings as um, a theologian. Like some of the things he believed are way off base. But and but, but then speaking of that, and using that to illustrate the point that these these great men and women, God, even in Scripture, we find are severely flawed. But the Gospel of Jesus continues to go out. Christmas is flawed, well, but the gospel of Jesus continues to go out. And, um, to those who receive that gospel, He gives power. I'm going to just close by reading John chapter 1, starting verse 1, and I'll read through verse 18. This will be the close. As we think about this, this gospel that goes out into the world, and it doesn't matter. People, like, I, I know people, uh, at least two or three people, for sure, who never heard the gospel from any person, but just kind of felt compelled to read the Bible, read the scripture, they read the Bible, and somewhere along the line they, they realized they needed to join Christians, and they have a unique perspective on it. You no know others who, from, like, like myself, were raised in a Christian home, and I don't have a time where I remember first hearing the gospel, it was just part of our life. But, and then there are there are others who um, have heard of their whole life, but then felt, you know, never really made sense, and sometime later they believe. All this to say that this gospel, once it is heard, once it is believed, once our trust is put in our Lord Jesus Christ, he makes himself known, and he gives us the right to be the children of God, and and, and we can trust that what. God wants us saved; is He will hold, um, and so we don't need to fear hearing hearing um, like reports of people getting saved in a weird from through a, a strange mean. If the gospel, if they have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, our sovereign God, the Father who loves us, those wonderful. Savior will keep them and will grow them. And then it does show the importance of discipleship and um, helping people to grow in the Lord. But let me read this. Um, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Father, we thank you for the truth behind Christmas, the truth of our Lord Jesus coming as a little baby um, into this world, not as a conquering hero first time, but coming as a a, a small child to, to live as a man, to grow, to preach good news, to live righteously and pleasing to you, and to give His life, so that so that He could bring many many sons into glory, so that you can inherit all nations. Lord, you have done great things. You are doing great things, and you will continue doing great things until the day when Jesus returns to um, bring all those who have believed in Him to you. Lord, we glorify you, and we we worship you. We thank you for this gospel. We thank you for our inheritance of our Lord Jesus and and the inheritance we have. Lord, help in, in the gospel. Lord, help us to be faithful in preaching that gospel, to share the good news with those around us. Lord, this is something you've given to us. Lord, give us the grace. Give us your Holy Spirit, because we are not that light but we have that light in us, and therefore we are we are the light as it were. So Lord, we, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, the light of the world, and it's him that we praise, and it's him that we proclaim to the people around us, to our nation, to all the nations. We pray that this gospel will go forth through all the nations, and through flawed and um, human beings, through... Um, Different means, even people who may not know you, who, who say something that reaches somebody and brings them to you, Lord, we know you do this as well. We pray that your gospel will go forth and that um, people will believe and come into your family. So we commit this word to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are wonderful, In Jesus' name.